What do tattoos mean to you? The radio station for Mother Earth is 7.83 hertz. Let's learn a thing or two. Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Welcome back. Matt, we're here to talk about topics as always, and today I have a topic about self-expression. A little creativity? A little creativity, but it's creativity on yourself. Matt, I want to talk about tattoos. Ah, yes, I was waiting for this one. I actually watched the video you recommended that I check out. I didn't get to finish the part two of it, but uh, I hope you can teach me some. It was inspired by, I watched some, uh, oh my God, Smarter, Smarter, Smarter Every, Every Day. Day. Yeah. And Smarter Every Day had a thing on getting tattoos and then removing tattoos. And finding out the science behind all that really inspired me to dig more into it. And tattoos have such a culture these days. It's a modern phenomena. It's wild. And really, tattoos, as we know them today, only really started in the 60s. But before we get into that, we really have to talk about the history of tattoos themselves. So tattoos have been found even on mummified humans dating back centuries. That's wild. The oldest known mummy is Utsa, and he was found in the Alps, and his body is dated to 3,250 BCE. Why does he have a tattoo that says mom? (laughs) (laughs) But these tattoos are also found on Egyptian mummies around that ancient period as well. So people have been tattooing themselves for millennia, even before like modern recorded history. That's wild. The ancient, and I guess it was a form of spirituality, religion, power. It yeah. was func- functioning body expression art, I guess, like functioning. In like modern day technologies, they use... Uh, a tattooing tool or tattoo gun that kind of penetrates the skin and deposits ink but that's a modern invention back in the day they'd be using a small mallet and little piercing elements like tapping citrus thorns bones fish bones or oyster shells tapping this pigment under the skin i knew they used bones at some point like the ancient polynesians did that in the islands that's pretty wild yeah the islanders have this great history with tattoos i mean the, Samo- the Samoas and the Polynesians all have these incredible, in a sense, tribal tattoos. Yeah, they're now referred to as tribal, but for them it was just like what they knew. That was their style. So ancient tattoo two practices have been literally all over the world. Everybody has done tattoos. Native Americans in here in America to ancient Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Indian all over the world has been performing tattoos now we go into like europe europe did tattoos as well but i kind of want to get into the united states tattoos because in the beginning the most most u.s tattoos were done by polynesians or japanese uh tattoo artists but the really important thing about american tattoos is their stereotype of being on sailors' bodies because these sailors would go around and they would find these things. I have a small story about why sailors in the U.S. had tattoos. And I know it's you, like, you teased me last week yeah. with this, and I was, I've been wondering why ever since, and I never found out why. So it has a little thing to do with our Revolutionary War. Ooh. So when people were being captured, well, not captured, but being drafted into service 
essentially captured. Yeah. In the early period uh, during the American Revolutionary War, to avoid impressment, which is like being drafted into the service of the British Navy ships, sailors used government-issued protection papers to establish their American citizenship. But in order to do that, they had to describe themselves. In the beginning, it's like they were so vague that people weren't accepting them. It's like there's no passport photos. Like this isn't you because yeah. it's so vague. Oh, that's where the tattoo comes into play. So by having a specific article like a tattoo. A permanent mark. Yeah. In these documents, the sailors could describe a tattoo or even uh, have a sketch of it made that could more identify these sailors so they could prove their citizenship right yes in a sense tattoos were the original passport wow yeah i mean every tattoo is unique to each person so no one has an identical i mean people can have the same design but location wise how it's shaped it's always going to be a little different so these tattoos really kind of defined what like who a sailor was Hence why sailors have those tattoos. And you that's why the anchor. Yeah, even today American sailors the Navy, the US Navy has its less least strict tattooing policies. That is true actually. It's part it's part of the history. That's interesting. So we gotta before I wanna get into the science that we learned in the Smarter Everyday video, I wanted to talk about kind of what brings us to the modern day tattoo. So it was around the 1846, 40s, 50s, American, uh, a German immigrant came to America, to Boston, and he started tattooing soldiers on both sides of the American Civil War. And this was the first documented prof- professional tattoo artist of like modern day. And his name was uh, Martin Hindenbrand. Hindenbrand. Was he considered the first tattoo shop in America? In a sense, yes. And then in 1991, a New York tattooer, Samuel O'Reilly, patented the first electric tattoo machine, a modification of Thomas Edison's electric pen. Yeah, it's actually, yeah, it worked a very similar way, but it would just have a needle that goes in the skin. You're kind of picturing the times we're at. We're late 18th century, about to go... 1800s were about to go into the 1900s and this kind of tattoos weren't really what they are now they were kind of an oddity yeah think of the samoans and these tribal people with all their tattoos they seem like an exotic art form yeah i mean tattooed ladies were showed at circuses where they'd have their whole bodies covered in tattoos except for their neck and face and this was wild like a cultural thing So the tattoo renaissance, though, happens in the 1960s, where the popular culture tends to shift around what a tattoo is. Tattoo artists start to come out, and they're viewed as artists, someone who create art on people's bodies as a canvas. And these tattooers kind of change the culture around, well, body modification. It's all this whole body modification movement and tattoos, they just explode, and they create this whole another definition of what they are. It's self-expression for what you want, and anybody can have tattoos. Tattoos seem to go over the boundaries of 
like civil classes. You could be rich, you could be poor, you could be wealthy, you could be a businessman or a construction guy. You can be anything, white, straight, homosexual, gay, and everybody can have a tattoo. So tattoos, though, have changed all over the place. Now tattoos kind of have this stigma around them, but they've always had a stigma. Nothing's really changed. During the two hundred the two hundreds, the two thousands. The aughts. <laughs> the aughts. Um I've been using that term a lot recently. You have like pop culture shows like Inked, Miami Inc., LA Inked by like TLC and A and E. These shows show off tattoos and it's kind of made them more acceptable in recent years. So even like different countries have different views on tattoos. In Australia, over 25% of Australians under the age of 30 had a tattoo in 2010. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. And Mattel released a tattooed Barbie doll in 2011, and it was widely accepted. It had some <laughs> controversy, but the times are changing. Influence for kids, I guess that would be a controversy, I guess. But tattoos aren't bad. They're not dangerous unless if they're not sterile. It's yeah, it's an interesting cultural thing. Like you said, anyone can relate with tattoos, but some people are like, "Oh, never mark my body or whatever because there's this idea of permanency." And permanency, in my opinion, it's a very cool thing because in my opinion, the human body is not a permanent thing. You know, our skin sheds over and over. Eventually, tattoos will fade away if we lived long enough. Yeah, so which what, is a wild thought. What happens with tattoos is the science behind it is particles of ink are laid subdermally under your skin so they're in between the layers of your skin and then your deep tissue and when they're placed there the ink is made up of particles obviously they're clustered together of metalloids right yeah so if like these, lead almost there's lead there's copper aluminum and there. these these particles are too big to be absorbed by the body so they stay that's also why a tattoo is the most vibrant and the sharpest when it's first made because it has those nice clean lines. Just they would stay. <laughs> and that's actually how tattoo removal works. The white blood cells, right? The white blood cells need a smaller target. So what happens is when the particles are shot with a laser of a certain frequency, the particles expand and explode into like little smaller bits and the white blood cells can then pick them up and remove them from the body so i guess tattoo removal isn't like an instant thing i mean yeah it spreads it out but it takes some time for the blood cells to do their job the human body is pretty cool yeah it assists the blood cells in removing the toxin from the body and i think that's pretty cool matt you that's have wild. a tattoo yeah about to get some more and I think your tattoo is a very smart tattoo. Not because I think, well, I think it looks cool, but also in the process of the tattoo isn't something of culture in a sense, right? Oh, it's unique. I drew it actually. Um, yeah, it's a traditional styled tattoo, black and white, fine lines. That's specifically what I wanted. There's some cool cross shading here. It's art, you know? Yeah. And All if, little things that I like. But like imagine... I think a problem with tattoos is imagine getting a tattoo of something that you like today, but in 20 years you might not like. Or say you get, imagine back in the day you were a big modern, 
imagine if you had a tattoo of Bill Cosby back when Bill Cosby was cool. And then, first off, <laughs> the times be, change. <laughs> yeah, the times change. And now you have this permanently on your body. And I think those tattoos are not the same as the ancient culture that is behind tattoos. I think it's important to get something that happened and is done. It happened, you know? Something that won't change. That won't change. That the perception won't be altered over time. So that's why I I like the simple tattoos of line work, more symbolism, and less something created by someone else. And Thomas, I'll tell you a secret. It feels really good. I, I Do you ever hear people say, like, oh, I can see it's addictive and stuff? It really is. It's like... I don't know. How, I don't would know. You, how would you describe it? You've I don't got know a tattoo. I don't know if your body, like, instigates adrenaline when it happens. Maybe a little bit because it's a fearful thing because you're getting stabbed by a needle thousands of times. But it, it like, fe- it gives you a rush. And also, it's like, it hurts so good. That's the only way I can describe it. It hurts like so good. It's not agonizing pain, but it's there. This wasn't painful for me at all. I picked a good spot on the inside of my bicep but like there are other spots that are real i mean you look at the the anatomy of it the closer you are to the bone it's gonna hurt because there's less skin and tissue there to kind of add a buffer right so so tattoos interesting there's a history behind them it'll be interesting to see where they go in the future yeah i feel like they're becoming way way more regular like we're gonna see people i've seen actually a lot of face tattoos in the recent past two years i'd say um, not just from like music culture inspiring it, but just like people thinking it's okay to ex- because you can't discriminate at job sites based on like if someone has a million tattoos, you can't be like you can't have the job because you look bad with tattoos. That's like not a thing anymore. Right. You know. I will say there. I, I'm kind of. I want to wrap it up, but one last thing is there's actually this thing in the like the women's market where you'd get your ma- makeup permanently tattooed like eyeliner permanently tattooed yeah that's or, a big thing um, i think it's called microblading when you tattoo your if people fill in their eyebrows yeah. it's tattooing your eyebrows permanently because if you do it every single day some people have the same makeup routine all the time so if you could just skip a step it's like well i fill in my eyebrows and then you just microblade tattoo it in then you don't do that step that's pretty wild i always forget that you know that's a thing yeah for older people also you know so who knows what new trends will come from tattooing i hope the weird face tattoo trend that doesn't continue i don't think work. i've seen any tasteful good ones there's never there's no such thing as a tasteful face tattoo i really like watching sci-fi films and seeing very cool tattoos and it seems like they're mostly tribal designed i feel like through video games and stuff but like will our futuristic utopian society be inked you know or or have these markings on us i don't know or maybe they can inter interact some circuitry within the ink and it does something more it's your barcode we'll have to see neck but that's what i have on tattoos matt what do you have for this lovely day 7.83 hertz thomas 7.83 what what does that mean to you mean what does it mean well it's a very low refresh rate but maybe it's a heartbeat almost like a heartbeat what What if i said it's the heartbeat of nature oh today we're talking about the schumann resonance i think i mentioned this this to you the other day resonance it's it's very very interesting it's not just a human resonance it's the earth's resonance this 
this kind of natural living earth so at any given moment this is this is directly from nasa so it's a an understood phenomenon at any given moment, about 2,000 thunderstorms roll over Earth, producing some 50 flashes of lightning every second. Each lightning burst creates an electromagnetic wave that begins to circle around the Earth, captured between Earth's surface and a boundary about 60 miles up called the ionosphere. Have you heard of that? The layer? ionosphere. Uh, it's one of the atmospheres that are above our heads. Exactly. 60 miles up. Some of the waves, if they have just the right wavelength, combine increasing in strength to create a repeating atmospheric heartbeat known as the Schumann Resonance. This resonance provides a useful tool to analyze Earth's weather, its electric environment, and even to help determine what types of atoms and molecules exist in Earth's atmosphere. So, looking back in history, um, a man with the name of Winfred Otto Schumann, he predicted it mathematically in 1952 using electromagnetic formulas to figure out there is a frequency in our air. So, as we sit here, obviously we're getting a bunch of techno technological electromagnetic frequencies, yeah. computers, our phones. But if we go outside and just sit in nature, you could be sitting in the middle of the Canadian wilderness, and there is a frequency, roughly 7.83 hertz. That's kind of the, the median of it. Interesting. So, so this, this frequency is always happening. So the world is, in a sense, oscillating due to the stuff that's going on in our atmosphere. There are at all always times. natural occurring electromagnetic fields, not just from our radio signals that we send, not just our phones and computers, but lightning. It's really interesting. When I first heard this, I was like, that's that's kind of crazy that lightning sits in our atmosphere 24-7. But it really does. It's always up there. And so through my research, if you just Google Schumann resonance, like say you're on YouTube and you search it, what comes up is just all those like compilations of meditative sounds, like a four-hour long video. So I couldn't find much on this apart from NASA's site explaining that it's just what happens on Earth. And NASA is a pretty credible source, so the information you're getting is pretty realistic. I think that the human resonance is that maybe it's not something you can just describe through a, like a video, but I'm pretty sure the human resonance with nature is that moment that you feel when you're outside and you kind of feel that you're one with your surroundings. Yeah, it's exactly that kind of idea of Zen. And it ties in with um, ideas of religion in a way. So there's a, a Dr. Richard Allen Miller. He states that ample anthropological evidence shows that humans has, have int intuitively synchronized with the planetary resonance throughout human history and back into the midst of time. There's a cross-cultural evidence demonstrating a variety of uh, ritualis ritual ritualistic practices which enhance this harmonization with the planetary field. Perhaps the most obvious drivers of these trance states are shamanic drumming or trance dancing in some yeah. religions, arguably employed over 50,000 years ago that they had acknowledged this power. Pulsing light is another driver. A further example comes from the use in both Jewish and Muslim faiths, bobbing and swaying while praying and reading holy books. You kind of match the frequency. Have you ever seen that? Right, yeah. So it's been understood that there's this weird frequency. So I saw this interesting thing. If you sit in a chair and move your foot so that's resting on the ball of your foot sometimes you can get your like calf to your muscles to vibrate do you ever get like a vibrating muscle it just kind of twitches yeah a little twitchy it's odd because scientists have studied this why it twitches it seems like your muscles twitch at roughly 7.83 hertz so it might be affected by the atmospheric it's like trying to sync up with the electromagnetic frequencies around it and obviously there is ongoing testing based on technology and how it's affecting always having your phone in your pocket and everything because there's so many frequencies happening 
there's so many electromagnetic fields created as well from Hundreds all this technology and all this power moving throughout cables in our in our world. So I wonder, maybe, I mean, I'm a guy who I enjoy the moments in nature I get to enjoy. You're just quiet sitting out there alone. And maybe that's the moments that you feel that resonance the most is that's, when you're most removed yeah. from the society. That's why people who go and isolate themselves without technology or whatever in the middle of the woods, they truly are more at peace than us because they don't have those invisible effects happening. So we mentioned this idea of humans being directly affected. I brought up NASA earlier as explaining this and NASA should know about the human resonance because it's very crucial for astronauts because out of orbit, astronauts don't experience the Schumann resonance. So there was an experiment conducted in 1960, a renowned researcher um, from the Max Planck Institute in Germany, his name is Rucker Weaver, extended the studies on Schumann frequency and conducted an experiment with uh, university students. So I don't know if you or I would sign up for this because the side effects of this test kind of were drastic. Um, he had students volunteer to have their health state evaluated. The students had to spend four weeks in an underground bunker built for the experiment. Oh. Totally isolated from the Schumann resonance. They canceled it out. What happened during those weeks was impressive. All the students began to feel sick, suffer severe headaches, had strange emotions, and felt exhausted. When they introduced them, reintroduced them to the Schumann frequency, they immediately lost their symptoms. Isn't that wild? The human body is made for this world. And I guess if you remove yourself from it, there's lasting effects. So my last note here is this idea of us humans we don't live on earth thomas we live in earth because earth is also above us these atmospheric layers that we have are totally part of the universe without them we would not be here so it's this kind of idea this not necessarily like an inner zen to the earth but there is electromagnetic frequencies that we can't live without we need this earth to survive and yeah. i think our relationship with this planet makes us who we are and it's going to continue to define us as we move forward through history and we start to evaluate what's going on with how we treat this earth and where it's moving forward. And NASA continually continually researches other planets to see if other planets have a Schumann resonance to them. And many planets do. Saturn, Mars, both have a Schumann resonance. Some planets don't. Obviously, if they don't have lightning, they're not going to get electromagnetic fields. There's so many powers out there. So that's another thing NASA needs to consider when we think about interplanet travel going between different Earth-like planets. Do they have that frequency? People, you know, when they think of inhabiting another planet, they think, does it have oxygen? Does it have water? Does it, can it sustain life? Well, we should ask, does it have the appropriate electromagnetic frequency for humans to operate comfortably? That's another thing to consider. It's just something that we'll have to discover when, once we get there. <laughs> exactly. But I think for now, we'll just have to enjoy what we have here on Earth. Find your inner zen. Go in the woods. Get, get a tattoo. <laughs> get Maybe a not tattoo. in the woods. <laughs> but I think that's what we have for this week's episode of Two Top. And we'll see you guys next time. See ya. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg. Music this episode comes from Lee Rosever. For more info about this week's episode, visit us at twotoppodcast.com. For general inquiries and feedback, send us an email at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. See you next week for another Two Topics.